Burger. Now we this is great. I this Zach. This has been an interview that has been long overdue on the show, it, it, and that's on me. And and we finally got Eric Mitchell here in this, well, virtually in the studio. And and after like two postponements on my end, here we are. We finally got gotcha. you, Eric. Thanks so much for jumping yeah. on with us today. Dude, thank you. I I really appreciate it. It's it's an honor to come on and and talk to you guys about hey everything sports and kind of about what what life's about in in the fitness world. I'm just I'm really charged up to be on with you guys. It's funny, you know. I look back, and the only reason I think I'm still slim is just retrain. I'm not even kidding. I like it's uh, my girlfriend somehow thinks I have muscles. I don't have muscles. It's just from whatever we were doing. It's just there's that outline of them still, I guess. And and that's all. That's all you. So I, it's, I appreciate it's muscle memory. Like I'm in shape. Exactly, muscle memory. Exactly. <laughs> you got yeah. You have a great muscle memory. You know, brain over there. And pre- all right. So this is I know. That, oh, that's yeah. That's my bad joke for the day. I just gotta get get it out of the way here. Uh, but no, we're so excited. And and just to give you a little backdrop, right? So you know. You uh, train and coach at Parisi Speed School, and you do training mm-hmm. for warriors. You also do motivational speaking. I just, uh, that's me just trying to be like the hype man. But I'll let you – I'll give you the soapbox just to give a little more of a backdrop on yourself. Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, guys, so I, I've been coaching for 30 years now. I started way back in 1990 um, coaching at the uh, from the Nautilus perspective in personal training, doing super slow to failure with kind of like everyday people on the main line. I also coached – uh, track and field. I was a sprint coach. My background is a multiple sport athlete in college and well, kind of translated that from I got tired of the personal training scene in the 90s when things were literally just starting to grow in, in terms of training. And then sports performance really started to come into the forefront. I started a company in the Philadelphia suburbs. It was very blessed, guys. I went literally from coaching in one week. I went from coaching uh, people in a gym to professional tennis players because I hooked in with a tennis pro. I was training athletes at the highest levels, higher than I couldn't believe it. I had no clue what I was doing, but, <laughs> but, but, but I was able to kind of take what I learned in college and take the skill sets that I had and started to grow that. And I, st- I started a company and I, I got a funny story about that company and hold on guys. I think I got lost there for a second. Oh, you're good, you're uh, good. The, what happened was I called the Philadelphia Inquirer and Art Carey was the director of like fitness and everything like that. And I called him. And I said, hey, this is back in 1997. I said, you want to do a story on my company? And he kind of laughed at me when I told him what it was about. And he said, oh, speed. He said, Eric, he goes, you, you can't teach speed. You, you can't. It's not possible. You can't teach an athlete to be faster. Now, if you want to talk to me about how to, how to get someone to increase their, like their distance times and how to make them run longer, then call me back. Well, something funny happened about a year later. Uh, it was the first time that the NFL Combine was televised. So this is like 1998. And he called me a week and a half after that, Art Carey. I'm in my car. And he says, hey, can you meet me at Haverford College? I want to do an article on your company. And I said, yeah, when do you want to meet? He goes, how about now? So I hang up the cell phone, the oldest cell phone on the planet, by the way. You had to pull the antenna up and talk to somebody. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Exactly. I was yeah. singular, singular wireless, guys, before it was AT&T. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't have a company. So I made one up on the way to uh, have for college. He did the interview. It was printed in the Philadelphia Inquirer. Then an article in Philly Magazine came about. And from that article, guys, Bill Parisi contacted me. And Bill Parisi contacted me in 04. And he said, hey, we're doing franchising. Guys, honestly, I had no idea who Bill Parisi was. I didn't know anything about what Parisi Speed School was or sports performance outside of my own little world. And I decided it was the right fit, got in with some partners and bought a Parisi franchise in 05, have been coaching Parisi. I'm a senior coach now with Parisi Speed School. We do all the certifications and we create the curriculums for all the speed schools. And then also I bought a Training for Warriors affiliate, which is more of an adult model of training that Martin Rooney formed while he was with Parisi Speed School. And that catered to a lot of MMA fighters and a lot of, in fact, you'll love this. Uh, we were the official speed coaches of the New York Giants at one point. Wow. So that Zach was one just, thing. Oh, I'm <laughs> yep. Zach's so, like, can Zach, I sign up? Zach, yeah. Zach, <laughs> Zach, in fact, Bill Parisi's first real serious client was Phil Sims. No way. And, and there's a whole story behind that, but we could, we could, we could, oh, we could here, talk I'm for hours for about that. Oh, no, right. no, okay. Whatever you want. So, 
I'll tell you, the reason I, I, I think it's important to understand that back when Bill started Parisi, it was at about the same time that I started progressive speed training. Nobody, nobody, even at the professional level, was talking about speed training. In fact, very few NFL teams had any programs. The Dallas Cowboys had a strength program, and the Oakland Raiders had a guy named Marv Marinovich who was doing his crazy workouts, his crazy conditioning workouts with the Raiders. But beyond that, it was that old adage, you're born with speed, and that's it. You got it or you don't have it. Well, Bill Parisi went to a lecture by Johnny Parker, who was the strength and conditioning coach for the Giants. This is back in, the, like I said, this is late 80s, early 90s. He corners Johnny Parker and says, I want to take you to lunch, and I want to talk to you about speed training. Well, he sits down, he talks to Johnny Parker, and after that conversation, he got Bill in touch with Phil Sims. And Phil Sims started training with Bill, and it was one of his first seasons where he didn't get injured. And then, by the way, went on to win a Super Bowl, and he attributed a lot of it, his health, to the training that, that Bill provided. And from that launching point, that's where the Parisi Speed School kind of came into existence. And it's why, honestly, that's why we're sitting here today talking, uh, because of your relationship, Kieran, with, with me, coming to a Parisian training under the, the, the that those principles. And it's funny because it's not a commercial for me to just say that. It is worth every dollar and cent. I am your stereotypical tall, slow white boy. Like there's like right there. Like, I mean, great. I could actually run tracks. So I won't completely sell yeah. myself short. But I speed, like to that point, no speed. Like it's funny how you describe something. Like these were all the things I didn't have. Lateral movement, right? Like like a quick feet. And you you can teach it and a lot of it right it was amazing how you taught i mean there's so many things like you said we can dive into about like slowing like decelerating sure. and like all those different things right but like i i look back on our time and just how much of an impact that made and and i think you know to that point like how important is it just those little nuances right like because i think a lot of people say that you can't teach speed or oh you just have to hit the weight room right like sure. but there are so many little wrinkles that can give you a competitive advantage and i think that's something that you guys exercise over there at parisi that i think's great yeah, I think that if you look at, so historically, people would look at track athletes, especially if they were sprinters, and they would say, okay, well, there's a genetic component to sprinting. Yeah, at those highest levels, when you're, when you're talking about real serious 100 and 200 meter speed, you obviously have some genetic potentiality. If there's speed in your family, that does make a difference. I was very blessed as a 100, 200 meter sprinter myself. My family had that in their, in their genetics to be fast. But think about sports nowadays. Are, are we... Are we just running in straight lines for 100 meters? We're not. Athletes from different sports, whether it be football, field hockey, soccer, basketball, tennis, their needs are very different from other athletes. And finally, I would say really 30-some years ago is when sports performance really began. And I will tell you that Bill Parisi was a pioneer in a lot of the aspects of change of direction. And so... Karen, when you talk about those little nuances, this is what I think it is. When we talk about the art of coaching, you can teach anybody a drill. There's no question about it. But as a coach, can you relate it back to a kid as young as seven? And then can you relate it back to somebody who's a professional athlete? And yet it's the same kind of jargon that you would use for each athlete. It's the same kind of systems for each athlete. So it's the same. If I, if I teach a seven-year-old start athlete, a lot of the principles that we're applying to our seven-year-olds, we're going to apply to our NFL combine guys as well, because you're breaking you're breaking small movements down, and I'm sorry, large movements down into smaller ones. But it's how you coach it, it's how you describe it, it's the impact that you make. And I always believe that that's the most important part of coaching, not the drill, not the end result. Not the, not the physical end result. What are you teaching those athletes in terms of their self-confidence and their belief in, can, in their movements? Do they believe in that? Which, by the way, then translates into the life skills that they're going to require when they're done their sports careers. And I, I, I feel that if you ask why, what separates us, because people always say it now that there's a, a million competitors out there, what separates Parisi or training for Warriors as well is the culture that you're building. Are you building true culture in your system? And, and you know, we, we can all talk about this. Wh whatever we do for a living, is there culture? Is there culture in, in, in the job you have, or should I say the career or the passion that you have? I, I, I treat my 
I don't have a job. I, I get to play all day. I get to I get to encourage youth athletes and adults to be something that they never thought they could be. So if the essence of what I do might be speed, might be might be top speed, acceleration, change direction, agility, all those different things. But am I am I, at the end of the day, am I reaching somebody to give them more belief in themselves when they than when they walked in the door? I'd say that that's that's why that's why I'm here. Well, it's amazing to how you at the end that what you just said because I mean I remember right me trying to walk on for Division One basketball program and I remember you know it's I was just thinking about this how you don't you every day you think in your head right everyone gets to do it, you do it and you're thinking that in your head but you also need to be down you might be able to pull it off it's like that was what I thought was so incredible working with you and I remember writing a note to you before I left to say like like you got me to actually believe like it, it went from like. I want to do this. So like, it's going to happen. Let's go like kind of a mentality. And I think, you know, is that something from you? Is that something from the culture? Parisi? Like, I guess like, where, where did you get that? Well, here, here's what I tell you. I think that the, when we, we go over the art of coaching, I think it definitely takes a certain kind of person. There's no question about that. However, you, you can certainly take someone who's a raw young coach and develop their, I think their, their skill set for relationship development. Cause after all, this is what we're about. I say I will take I'll take somebody as a coach who can communicate with kids over somebody who has a PhD in exercise science who can't even talk to an individual to, to a kid. <laughs> I, I I would, and I you know what, Karen, it's a great question. I I think it's a combination of things. I think it is absolutely a personality type that is going to gravitate towards. I will tell both of you right now, right now, especially during this pandemic, the. F- I believe coaches are needed more than ever. And I mean this because what a coach will do, a coach takes somebody from one place that they are currently at to a different place that's better than they, than, than they, than they started from. Right now, we need coaches more than we've ever needed them before because we have this, I think it's this insidious lack of confidence in our society right now. So we're dealing with covid we're dealing, you know, there's a, cri- there's an act, uh, a crisis of sickness going on. You have a crisis in this country of obesity. You have a crisis of just this lack of awareness of health. But I think that it boils down to that it's, it's a lack of confidence. It's a lack of belief that that's what the major uh, epidemic is in this country. And when you say that, when you talk about people that always say, I can't, I can't, I can't. And we always replace it with, you got to say yet afterwards. I can't yet. I can't yet because at least you're giving yourself the opportunity to grow from it. But I would say that I honed my skills in that from the Parisi culture and then subsequently from the training for warriors culture. And if any of your listeners don't, you know, two things, they can always reach out to me and talk to me about anything that they want. I'm an open book with that. And also investigate. I said, look up what Parisi and training for warriors stand for and see what it really is. And it's about developing the individual developing life skills and how you develop relationships is the most important part. And and that's where I think it is. I think it's a combination of things. So where, where do you think, um, I know you said there's a lack of confidence. This is a sure. huge issue right now. Mm-hmm. What do you think drives that? Is it technology? Is it social media? Yeah. What do you think? I, I think we're, we're, we, we have a saying here that, that everyone's stuck in this paralysis by analysis, mm-hmm. that there is so much available that, and, and by the way, a lot of it, it's not real. So it's people's opinions. It's people. It's like this. We say in our industry, the, the, the two worst words that you can hear in our industry is they said. And, and when you say they said, people will go like this. Well, eggs are bad for you. Well, who said that? Well, they said it. Who said it? And people have no idea. Oh, are you, uh, are you a Seinfeld the, man by chance? I love Seinfeld. Okay. So, you know, yeah. the scene, I always say this, man, dad, talk about the scene because we were really just talking about it. It's like to, to go off your point. Yeah. It's, it's that scene when they're pitching the idea of the show and George's like, it's about nothing. Right. And Russell Dowerful goes, well, why am I watching? He's like, because it's on TV. Like with that, <laughs> just that conviction. And it's right. Like that's, because they said so like, you know what I mean? right. like why it's just that, oh they it's on tv right well and, and that's like when you hear with kids well oh uh, well uh, uh lifting will stunt my kids growth well who told you that that well they said it they say it who said it nobody said it. it's actually not true it's actually a a scientific fact that resistance training at a young age actually lays down bone bone structure for for growth plate development so but 
but getting back to I, I really believe that what's happened now is we we have so much information and we're able to attack so many different things on so many different levels. Google, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know, whatever it might be, that we, we don't think for ourselves. I think that happens. And we fall into this this trap. And then we start to to believe, okay, well, I'm I start to doubt myself. I question myself. And I see it all the time. I see kids. How can kids seven and eight years old feel like they're worthless? I, I don't understand that. Yeah, that's what you gotta go to corporate America first, then you can feel worthless. You right. know, that's right. Come on now. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Wait till you're twenty five. Yeah, exactly. at least go through high school and get rejected a few times before you feel right. worthless. Come on now. <laughs> right. Yeah, seven or eight. Come on now. <laughs> see that was a that see that was a good joke. Yeah, there we that go. Sorry, everyone, it broke the clocks right twice today. So you warmed up. You warmed up, Karen. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. I had, yeah, I had to throw one. You know, throw the stretch back, a little so. bit. Yeah, exactly. I don't even, that first one was brutal. Um, <laughs> all right, but but Seth, all right. Let me ask you. So we, I feel like it's funny how we're talking about working out in the past stories. Sure. I was saying to you before the, the we jumped mm-hmm. on the air, like you made working out fun. Like you, the the way, and not just like right. Like I think when when people hear that, they're probably thinking, "What do you play music? Like what did you tell jokes?" It's like no, like I can't even explain what it was like. It was. Like a fun gym session on like steroids, like right. It felt like because, and then to double down, you did it. You in, uh, integrated it into the work basically too. Like you felt better about the work, like you're putting in as an athlete working out sure. with you. Um, but to that point, I felt like there's one of the things that was so great was all the stories. I feel like you had so many awesome stories and adventures. I mean, right? Like it's funny because you know Zach, you said like, do you ever been, you ever been a Lambo field before? It's like yep. It's like I'm like oh, a snow game against the Steelers, right? Like you've seen it all. Right. And so I guess it's funny. I have my notes on like little avenues, but I always want to throw it to you and just like, like, what, like, now like, tell us a story, Eric. But it's almost like we're back on the turf. We're talking. We're working out again. Like, what's a good story that I haven't heard maybe in a minute from you? Well, I, I think that, that, that storytelling is very critical in the human experience. So when you kind of get back to what you're talking about, about the training, see, so you keep me here saying training. I'll say training, or you'll hear me say, we talk about TFW. It's a practice. It's not a workout because anybody can work out. We always say, anybody can make you tired. Can you make people better? So when we're talking about this, you're, they're training. See, a workout, you can miss a workout. Eh, I'm going to miss my workout. I don't have to work out. But when you start to codify it as training, training's purpose-driven. And that's with the seven-year-olds. That's with the 14-year-olds, with the pro athletes, and then with the adults in training for warriors. If you, if you go to a training session and it's considered a practice, you're less likely to miss it. See, that's our culture's built around that kind of that kind of you're taking it very seriously from that perspective. However, you got to integrate something fun for people. That culture is important. Think about the history of the human experience. How did we start? We told stories. And we passed the time in front of the campfire in the caves, then eventually in cities, towns. That's what we did. You told stories. So those are very important stories. And every single day, Kieran, we tell a story, whether it be to the kids or to the adults. We do. It it could be the smallest little thing. I'll give you guys a great one. This is an easy one to use. And then I'll tell you an athlete's story. But what's the the boiling point of water in Fahrenheit? What's the number? Oh, what's the, I thought you said, what's the point? Sorry. What's, what's, what's 32 the, degrees is, oh, bo- I'm boiling. Jesus. Thirty-two <laughs> freezing. So yeah, yeah, there you go. All right. Wow. Oof. All right. So I did pass high school, I swear. Um, well, you knew that because you met me in college. So that's I, right. Uh, is it, is that, you know, I'm going to guess 178. No, like, nope. Yeah. I can not, not, so not many people know it. That's yeah. the thing. It's very interesting. So it's 212 degrees. Now tell me what, when water boils, what's produced? Evaporates. Steam. Evaporates. Yeah. Steam. Steam. So yeah. now with steam, steam is actually an, a, a, an element of power. And it, by having the fact that we discovered that water boiled at 212 degrees, actually two scientists, Mack and Anderson, discovered it. By that fact, we are actually able to do the things that we do today because steam creates power. All of a sudden now, you wouldn't be able to be in jets or, plane, or, or air, basic airplanes, rockets, cars, if we hadn't discovered that steam can actually create power. When you talk to kids about it, you say, is 211 degrees hot? And kids will say yes. And you say, but is it boiling? No. So what's the difference? It's one degree. So the reality of this, when we we play sports, we don't need to give 6,000 degrees of difference. It's one degree of difference. 
And that's a small story to encourage kids to feel okay about the idea. They don't need to be perfect. And it's only one degree of difference each day is going to change the way that they perform on the field, the court, the track, wherever that might be. And so that's a little story to kind of motivate them. Now, guys, we, we have stories that are extensive. They're, they're, they can take up to 10 minutes to tell. Usually they're around five minutes. But if you engage the athletes, if you tell them the stories, not just uh, your own experiences, but about life experiences, people that what happened to them and how they overcame things. That's, those are important, important ideas. Now, I'll tell you a great story. I, I had an athlete who was a blind judo player from Coatesville. And what that is, is he's, he's blind. And he was one of the top ranked judo athletes in the, in the world. And Kieran, you know, this whole thing you, you brought up about Ronda Rousey, he used it way back. He trained with Ronda Rousey. And he said that no it was, he did. He said it was amazing. He said, no matter how hard he tried, she, was, she would instruct him during the session. That's how good she was at her sport. That even at his hardest level of work, he he still was being taught by this by this this athlete who was just so much more superior to him even though he was one of the best in the world so and she would tell him okay this is the story you got to do this with your arm you got to do this with your leg you got to do this with the, the, the way your body is your breathing has to be like this what a remarkable experience to be able to, and then i can tell kids that story and say hey yeah the, i had an athlete i trained who trained with her so it's unique it's very unique. Uh, of course, I'll have a story at the end for you guys, too. That's going to be a grand finale. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it's oh funny, too, because I was thinking how you were mentioning the, the boiling water story. And I was thinking of a yeah. story. And this is just more of just, I guess, the fact when we were working out. And I remember this was it was a hot day on the turf. And you had me pushing the plates all the way down the field and back. And I remember what, the part of the drill is when I was finished, you had me taking my pulse. Yes. And then you had we basically recorded it. And I remember you telling me, like, a lot of people think it's how far I can go is what, like, determines what I'm in shape. It's more when that number will drop is what, Correct. like, can tell. I mean, you can probably polish it up and tell it a much better way. I'm more like, did you hear that, guys? Like, you know, but, um, but right, I mean, like, something like that, for example, I'm like, no, like, 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 I would never have known that. Well, I think that that's, again, that's the science part of training is that you're looking at and saying, like, what, what people normally do. Say, say you go out and you, you do those plate pushes, Kieran, for 60 yards. If your heart rate's at 180, it, you're not going to be able to perform at, a high, at your highest level on the next set if your heart rate remains at 160 a, a minute and a half to two minutes later. The idea is conditioning is built around how quickly do you get back to the state of recovery, usually 30 to 40 beats less than what your heart rate is during the exercise. But what people, the misconception is when people train like that, they go, well, I'm out of shape. Well, Usain Bolt will run the 200 and his heart rate's going to be at 180. Is he out of shape? No. It's just a question of the exertion level that you're putting in, especially with that. That's when, when we talk about that. Even the, the basic idea of checking pulse rate is a form of your training. So it's not just this. I, I, you know, you guys have had, and I'm sure I had this with these coaches, where some coaches feel it's a feather in their cap to make an athlete throw up. That's the worst thing that you can do to an athlete. The worst thing, because you're putting them into, a, into a, 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 a physiological state that's not good for them. The idea behind getting in shape is you have to have a holistic approach to every aspect of what that athlete is doing or that adult. Because I think everybody nowadays in these newer generations wants to remain an athlete. Guys, I have two knee replacements and I still do training for warriors. And, and because I'm able to, you know, because that's a whole other story why I have had to have those surgeries done. Back in you the know, football so, days, Giuliana? Well, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, when, I, when I bought the Parisi franchise, I thought at 35, well, I can act like I was when I was 20. So I did high-speed direction change on 35-year-old knees. Well, you can't do that. And I demolished my articular <laughs> cartilage, and now, you know, now I have titanium knees. So that's the way it goes. Sounds but, like a fun ring to it, though. Yes, it does. So, I'm like the yeah. Bionic Man. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we've talked about, you know, the science behind the training, the mental sure. aspect, and then the conditioning. So how do you balance? And there's probably more to that too. So how do you balance everything into that perfect training mindset and combination? Well, wh what I love is something that, was, that we, that we created out of training for warriors and understand that training for warriors. When, when Martin Rooney, who's a very good friend of mine started TFW, um, I was the first affiliate because I knew what he had created for the adult model. 
and it, and he took a lot of what Parisi had and applied it to what you could do with adults. So we have a great saying. It's called do more in your 164. And what that is, is this, that you're to train four days a week. Boy, and some people are like, whoa, four, that's it? Four days. But then the question becomes, first of all, what's the work you're putting in for those four days? And then if there's 168 days in the week and four of those hours are taken up by training, what are you doing in the 164 to be better? So there's a whole, there, there's studies, there have been studies done that even after an entire week of 168 hours, the average American adult has about 9.2 hours left over. And most of the time, they're spending it on social media, reading Netflix, or doing Netflix, or literally just doing nothing. Queen's Gambit was pretty good. No, Scott. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I think that what it is, is as as a coach, you're, pro you're providing them with tools to do, to do more in their 164. What are you doing? We tell the young athletes, hey, you want to be good, you'll just kind of do what you're supposed to do. If you want to be great, you're going to do more than anybody else is willing to do. And that's, to me, that applies to, his, to our youngest kids and to our oldest adults. What are you doing to make yourself better? And, you know, who wants to stay status quo? I don't want to stay status quo. You know, it's interesting you say that because, and this actually is not a question I had on my notes at all, but it just, it kind of came to me in the moment. I think, right, and, and honestly, Zach and I, you know, we've, and I think everyone's in this boat, right, uh, except, except you, because you don't even call it work. I think a lot of people are in jobs, right, they, they, they're they doing it because they're trying to balance a few things out, right? They're trying to balance their financial futures. They're trying to uh, maybe care for a family, et cetera, right? But a lot of people might not find that fulfillment, find that job that they really sure. like doing. And they say to themselves, you know, like, well, one day I'm going to find it. Right. Like, but then there's just that there's that huge like void. And I think, right. Like, so and I think you do a great job motivating athletes. Like, what do you say to those people? Like, right. Like, just because you said it's really about outworking other people, whether it doesn't matter what you're doing, whether it's sure. sports or anything in life. Like, what do you say to those folks where it's it's they are like, right, you're down. <laughs> And, and it's that, like, I got to get up moment. I got to really find, like, because, right, I think a lot of people, like, especially when we're all working our jobs, we get complacent, right? We, we're, we're okay with our, like, everything's okay. It all works out. But I guess, like, what would you say to people that's, like, if you want more in lifetime? Yeah, I, I, guys, I think that the bottom line, it, it ties back into like what you were talking about, like, with how do you balance everything? You know, what's your passion? I think what we, what, what we have done in this country, or, and I can't speak for other countries, although I have a lot of friends who own Training for Warriors in other countries, um, what, what is it you really want to do? And, it, and then it tracks back to what you talked about in the beginning, Karen, is that most of the time we're surrounded by, by people that are telling you you can't do it. You can't, yeah. you can't, you can't, you can't do that. But why? Why can't you do it? And I think that we're so limited by our own limitations. I really believe that if you find what you are really passionate about, it doesn't matter if you're 20, 25, 35, 53, whatever it might be, you, you might discover, and this is what's the, the uniqueness and the greatness of this country, is that you're able, we do have the opportunities, we do have the ability to do more than we ever thought we could possibly do. And I really believe you know, find out what your passion is, really understand it. Because here's what I, I've had people say to me, Oh, I wish I had your job. Well, I mean, my job's got some, has its drawbacks as well. That's why I'm, I'm expanding out. I'm doing some motivational speaking, kind of changing, changing the way things are. But if you asked me at 23, when I was starting the, 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 in the industry, what my passion was, I would say, well, I want to train pro athletes. That's what I want to do. At 23, right? Well, I've trained pro athletes. It's not easy to train pro athletes. It's not. They have their own set of insecurities, their own set of issues. I, I've, I've had some pro athletes who have said, hey, I'm not good enough. I can't do this. Ultimately, if you ask me now what I want to do, my job now is to have a program that is going to enhance other people's lives so that I can take my skill set and help other people who need help. I do a lot of fundraising, guys, and I'm, I'm in the midst of something right now with fundraising. I'm very frustrated that I can't do it at my facility, but someone else, one of my good friends who owns a TFW in Doylestown, he's going to be able to do it. We're, gonna, we're doing it on Sunday. We're going to raise, I mean, it's just the beginning of what we're going to raise for this young boy actually in the Chester County community. And do you yeah. wanna, let's, let's talk about Connor Dobbin and everything yes. you're doing for that foundation. Yeah. So I'll, I'll just give you the floor is yours. Yeah, guys, I mean, we, I got in contact with Connor's uh, dad, his mom and his dad's girlfriend right before the pandemic. 
I just I, I learned about Connor then. I didn't have any idea what what San Filippo syndrome was. And then when I read about it and read about Connor's story, it's childhood Alzheimer's. Here's a little boy who has this genetic disorder that's going to kill him. I mean, and it's a terrible death. But some geneticists in Texas think they have found the cure and the trial would be started. It would be, be Connor would be the trial. They got to raise three million dollars for this trial. They got to do it. And by the way, the kid's been all over the news. He's been People Magazine. He's been I mean, this kid is all over the place, all over the world now, basically. And I rallied uh, Parisi's and TFW's and some CrossFit's and some personal training places all over the world about two months ago to to do stuff. And then all the, uh, the new shutdowns have hit. And it's going to be very difficult for us to do things. But certain places are doing it. So we're going to do a fundraiser on Sunday from 8 to 11. And, and Karen, I'm going to give you the link for anybody. Because yeah. we're, we're, here's what we're going to be doing. At 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Sunday, we're doing a live Zoom to anybody who wants to come on and do it from the TFW in Doylestown. And Connor's going to be there. Awesome. And, and so, so cool. here's what it is. And in the spring, I just, I, I'm going to have a big event at my place. We decided that we couldn't do it at my place because we think three or 400 people were going to show up. And, and the news and everything, and they right. just can't. But here's the, here's the bottom line, guys. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spearhead. We're going to get that money. That kid's going to get that trial. And that's what my passion is now, to help people in need. And that's why, ultimately, that's why I do what I do. And, and to that point, I mean, not to make this like a real time, like on the air. So we, we would, I mean, we would say in this too, like Zach, we want to do something for the holidays and helping. I mean, th- sure. we, Eric, we obviously talked like very gently about this, you know, but yeah. whatever we can do, we obviously can talk more about this, like off, off the of air. Of course, but, of course. But, but I mean, we'd love to, I mean, anything we can do to, to, to help Connor and, you know, obviously our stage is, is a bit small. We're, we're still building, but right sure. to that point, you know, whatever we can do, you know, with our podcast and any platform we have with our outlets and stuff, like we, I mean, we want to help and be supportive and obviously donate money as well too i mean just i mean like you said i read that about that condition it was like jesus christ i mean it's it makes you sick and, and first of all the first thing and you hate hearing these types of stories it's the first thing that makes you immediately forget every problem you've ever had correct right because you, yep. you just it's it it's sobering right? is like yep. the word I, I i probably choose to select it, it just because I mean, I mean, what you guys are doing too. So, and how much so at that point, you guys have had a lot of success so far. Uh, yeah. So what are some of the successes that you guys have had over the past well, year, especially fighting it with Corona and all that? Yeah. I mean, we, we, so, you know, I, with, with save Connor, they've raised almost, almost I would say almost $400,000 so far. And, and so that's, that's, that's certainly an exciting, uh, exciting prospect that they are able to do that. You know what? I got to tell you though, what, what, what makes me really happy and, and this really kind of condenses the culture that, that I'm involved in and the culture of fitness is that ultimately that's what, that's what it's about is that through what we do, whether it be fitness or sports performance, training, whatever it is, is that we have such a platform to help others that especially as a coach, how are you leading your people? And how are you as, as a coach leading your people? And, and to, to be honest with you, for you guys, it's, it ends up being it's the same thing. Every little bit makes a difference. And even when I've, I've raised money for children that have been abused and uh, raised money, we've raised money for cancer. I've been a part of uh, two, two world records that TFW has set, and, and we've done it all for charity. Like, shouldn't that be about what it is, especially during this time, especially now when people think that the obstacles are, are overwhelming. Shouldn't we be tapping into that altruism? Shouldn't we be tapping into that charity right now? And if you can do it, the platform, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so blessed that I've got the, the, the platform that I have. Oh, and, and to, that, it's to that point, I was going to say, um, what was that? Sorry, did you have a question? No, no, I was just saying. I think it, it's no, it's it's amazing. Uh, you know, and you're exactly right. This is what we need, especially in a, in a time like this. And you never want to see anyone suffer, but especially you know a, a child his age. It's uh, yep. extremely unfortunate. And, and what I was going to add too is, I feel like you just pointed out the, this pandemic, right? I think it's I don't want to say it's human nature, but I think there's some human side of people thinking this has been a terrible year. This year sucks. And not like that your subconscious is like, I'm going to give you a free pass. You don't have to do good things this year. But like, I think people say like, it's been a rough year for me. Give me like, like that's kind of the fallback. 
and to your point, like this is something where people can really help out and do something good in a, in a, in a year where there hasn't been a lot of great. I mean, not to downplay twenty twenty, because I think actually on the flip side, everyone that says this year's side, it's like why? Like some good things, I'm sure great things happened throughout this year. Granted, there was a bad, you know, there was a bad taste in the mouth, and, and we weren't able to do some things we don't want to like that we probably wanted to do. But at the same point, I, I don't think twenty twenty was a complete waste. <laughs> Right. I mean, you no. think about people that they if they only have a couple months to live. Like, they're it doesn't matter what year it is. Yeah, yeah, I th- yeah. I think everyone's definition of bad year. There's always worse out there, so that needs to be put into perspective for a lot of people. I think, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of good that people can do, and this is this is a great chance. Well, and I think that that's where you know I always look at it. I, I've been doing Facebook lives for my my TFW members. Uh, and I've been doing Facebook lives for the Parisi coaches. And I think it revolves around, it's a, it's a time of opportunity as well. Like, are you creating, I mean, you have to create a lot of your opportunities. You got to create that. And what, I mean, right now, like, Hey, if we're going to be going to some, some second lockdowns, I know some of my friends over there, they've already shut down their gyms in other States, but can you find opportunity? There's, there's clearly the ability to be creative and to create opportunity, even even in the in the face of all this, and I, I agree with both of you. I think it's 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 twenty twenty. Listen, I I always said I got to spend more time with my son. That's kind of cool. It makes yeah. me happy, you know. It's like and and also to focus my efforts on helping others. I'm still thinking, how do I do that? How do I expand that and grow? Being on a show like yours, how this is such a wonderful opportunity for all of us. To expand our, our knowledge, to expand who we are, to grow our culture. How cool is that? Yeah. I, and by the way, just drop the link in our chat for everyone, for anyone you know that's interested in Connor. Absolutely. You know, yeah. And, and I, right, we actually we have a chat. So it's funny. You're in the Zoom world right now. We have the whole production you know, that you'll see. Uh, on the Facebook circuits, but and we've been just getting awesome feedback in the chat, just about you know your background, Eric, and just your awesome positivity. Um, now it's funny in a year that's forgetful. I almost want to use this as like a pivot point to talk a little bit about you know we sure. talked a lot about modern times too. You're a big yeah. football guy, you know, as are as are we. Um, so I you know we're, we're I'm st- I'm torn on where we let's start with your Steelers. Let's just get the back out of the way. <laughs> You're positive. Let's get this, let's see how positive you can be addressing the numbers. No, um Okay. It was, it was uh, a trap game. That's a yeah. trap game. Trap games aren't the Cowboys game or the Dolphins, where everyone say, yo, is it a trap game? It's the game that you don't talk about. That's the trap right. game. Well, here's what I think about. Listen, it, it wasn't a trap game for the team they were playing against. I think Washington is, is well, first of all, the, the, the Alex Smith story blows oh, me away oh every God. time I see it. I mean, I, I think about what he went through and the things that he accomplished, but also think about the guy was the first round. He was the first pick in the draft by San Francisco. Oh, yeah. I mean, and then he's replaced by Kaepernick in a Super Bowl year. He goes to the Chiefs. He takes the Chiefs to the playoffs. Patrick Mahomes rolls in. They get rid of him. He's in, he's in Washington. He gets hurt. And look what he does. I mean, I, I was amazed. So, in uh, listen, the Washington football teams, and I see, I got that. I said that. I said the I know, Washington I, football team. Right I have to think about it. I, have I know. To think it's... About it. So, but here's the thing: like, football's football, man. I don't care who you are. Like the Steelers, there's it, people don't realize. Like, I, I've because tra- I've been blessed with the ability to, to. I've trained these kinds of guys. Like, they don't take anybody for granted. Like, there's no. They're all pro football players. That team, they beat the Steelers. They beat them. Like, they beat them outright. Did the Steelers play great? No. But they still had to show up and play. But that doesn't mean, you know, uh, here's the thing. They're the scariest 11-1 and team I've ever seen because I don't feel comfortable or confident with where they are. And that's a real statement. I mean, they may, they stumble. The Browns are going to catch them. And, and that's a real statement, you know, although they're not that good either. You know, I don't think they are. I don't know. I know. <laughs> it's illusionary. I know what it is. I know, you know, because t- but, but I just think that what I love about the Steelers and, and you're, if you guys want to understand where this, my love of the Steelers comes from. So my family's from central and Northwestern PA. So I grew up loving the 70 Steelers because that was my dad's team. My dad uh, imbued on that enemy. My dad died when he was 46 years old. So I was 18 years old and the legacy he left, I continued that legacy and went to Steeler games with my friends every year, like always going to that. And the reason why is because my dad's passion for this team. And that's why I have such a great passion, but the organization and Karen, you know, you're, you're, you're a Packers fan. It's the, it's the, the aura of the organization. 
like what those two organizations represent in not just championships, but culture mm-hmm. and the and stealer like, way. Yes. And, and it's not perfect. You know, nobody's no. perfect. It's not. And I grudgingly say it that the Patriot way, I grudgingly say it because, but, but understand though, these dynastic teams and it's like your giants under Parcells, they, they built a culture that yep. rallies people to it. Like I feel, I kind of feel they bad. They take care of their own. I, absolutely. They do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what draws me to those, those teams um, and to that. And, and what I love about the NFL, although they've stumbled a lot lately, I think. Well, it, it's funny you say it because I was actually just having a discussion yesterday. Like the, we were talking about like there's the, the giant way. Like, and there's like lots of teams, right? Like even like the Cowboys have a way. Like, and you're right. None of them are perfect. Like, but you also got I think everyone can deep down gut check and say they'd like Jerry Jones for the game. Like he's a good, good man for the game. Like, sure, I hate the Cowboys and he's like the villain I love to hate. But at the same point, right? Like all that being said, as I tiptoe around, I guess my point is I don't know if there is an eagle way. And, and, and let me stop that because any Philadelphia fans listener, I'm not saying that the, the I think that the fan ba- the fan base like and and you look at the Flyers for example, Broad Street Bullies. Like I'm not saying Philadelphia sports doesn't have an uh, identity. I just think when you look at the internal version of the Eagles, like who's running them right now, right? Like it, it right. looks like a mess, and we've seen these little messes whether it was Chip Kelly before, right? Like the, I don't look at the Eagles. Like look at how they let Brian Dawkins go, right? Like I'm not saying they had to bring him back. Like there's there's been wrinkles where you're just like, huh? Like what? Like they're they're I don't know. To that point, what I always want to ask this question on like three different levels. The first being, what do you make of the quarterback situation in Philadelphia and just the Eagles in general? Um, two, do you, do you like Jalen Hurts? And and three, if let's just say Carson Wentz rolls in, it's like Eric, I, I like I can't drop back. Not that I'm saying you know that he's this bad at dropping back and passing, but he's like, look, I need to change my footwork. Sure. I need to change my game. It's just it's not working back there. I'm getting thrown around like a rag doll. Like almost paint me a picture of the scene over a three month stretch or whatever month stretch. Like how you get his like where do you think he is? Is he fixable? Like I think he is. Person, I think most people that have a brain that watch football would say that there's something there that's just not getting tapped right now. Like so, I guess how would you tap it? So sorry, that's like nine questions I just asked you there, and I can I can repeat any of them if you'd like. But <laughs> no, I, I think when you ask about systemically what's wrong with the Eagles and coming, you know, I, and I've had some of my friends who are like, well, you're a Steelers fan, you you couldn't possibly have an opinion on it. Well, I'm a football fan. And, and so I look at it, it there's when people, I keep hearing, cause I do listen to the radio stations, you know, obviously you listen to the talking heads that there's, there's a, there is a, the system that they've got, there's something, there's something lacking now in their system. Something's wrong. Like you can tell, you can see that there's something clearly wrong with the system. So when it relates to Carson Wentz, like he's not broken. Like they, they keep saying he's broken. Here's the thing that would be frightening. What if he goes hypothetically he's 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 next year he's 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 out of here not next year the following year and he goes to the Colts he's with Frank Reich again and he wins a Super Bowl under this guy like what would the reaction in Philadelphia be if that does happen so they'll go crazy they'll go nuts so right now where he is whatever is happening this that there's he's clearly he clearly has a a lack of confidence in what he can what his what his skill set lead brings to this team he does he, you don't, if you, the, the other night you could see it just, it's not working. Whatever it might be. Now, is that, is that saying that he's not a good quarterback? No, he clearly demonstrated he has the abilities to do those things. However, I think the, the cumulative effect of those injuries has seriously affected his style of play. And I think that that has definitely kind of ch- dramatically changed the course of what Doug Peterson wanted him to do. Now Jalen Hurts, I mean, we just—that's I mean, we just—we don't know enough about the guy, you know. And God, what a terrible situation to be thrust in that situation. Your offensive line is giving up sack after sack after sack. You don't—you're not utilizing your running game the right way, and they don't have a very good receiving core. And now, what what used to be, and you talked about identity. So I remember the green the green machine under Buddy Ryan, like that was their identity. Reggie White. Jerome Brown, like that was their identity. Like they were a, they were a nasty, tough football team in the early nineties. And maybe under Vermeil when they started their rise in 77, 78, 79 and 80. But even under Andy Reed, they were just kind of like Andy Reed, just steady. They won. It was just 
Andy Reid, you know, just like that. And then they, they caught something incredible in 2017. But what's their identity? I, if you ask, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the Eagles' identity is. I, so I, I think that that's where it is right now. But I would bet a lot on that if Carson Wentz left and went to a team that a different style of offense, I think he'd do pretty well still. That's what it's funny. I think the Colts are the hot take. I want to throw New England out there. Yeah, New England could be as well. I mean, that that's a possibility. Do you, do you think he like? Do you think he goes like? I guess like I'll I almost not to like. I'll give you my opinion first. And Zach, you know, you're you're, yeah. you're in the you're you're a neighbor in this. Um, I guess <laughs> here's my if I had a crystal ball. I don't think from just what I'm hearing. And like, Grant, this is just me hearing on the radio. Like, like what do I know? But. Uh, from what I heard on the radio, right? The stories read, and you try to just pick out the ones that you think maybe sound the best out of the rest of them. But I think from what I heard, how uh, Jeffrey Lurie really enjoys working with Howie Roseman. Mm-hmm. He likes to get his hand in the mix when he feels like it's it's needed. And him and Howie have, I guess, that give take relationship where like they can they they feel comfortable with that happening. I guess that and to that point, Howie's rewarded with a lot of personnel decisions, and you know, and you're hearing rumors that he's the one whispering all this stuff into Doug's ear, and then right, and it's funny. I, I got to give my dad a lot of credit for this, I, and I got to do it on the show. I was saying this before before we jumped on. He's been saying from the jump from last year that you know the minute they like Mike Groga or like right like Doug had his end of the year press conference like oh you bring Mike Groga like the rest of the night he's like oh yeah and then and then they're gone the next day I think it was right like and and you just kind of knew and it's one of those things you think it's like wow like now it's starting to see like Doug maybe does want to like right like now I'm actually starting to see like all these dots start connecting I'm like wait a minute wait a minute wait this actually seems like it's like a murder almost like. Now I'm starting to see like the weapon. I know where the, the scene of the crime was. I see like you know the the intent to kill, like, all that stuff are starting to pop up. That's my interpretation of what's going on. But on the flip side, so I don't think they're going to ha- fire Howie. I think Doug will leave, get fired, sit down, whatever he's going to de- need to do. And if they get the right to do that, otherwise they're just going to do a full coaching scrub and make it sound like that was the culture problem. Could be. That's my. I don't know yeah. what you guys think. Well, I was going to say, what happens if Jalen Hurts goes in and he's, you know, mediocre or which he, which he might be, he's a rookie. He's learning, he's getting the game speed and, and everything, the, everything he's seeing is different you know, compared to what he saw at Oklahoma. What happens then? Then it's extremely messy, right? It's almost like either one would be really bad or really good instead of sure. in between. It's, it's just a mess is the word to describe it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think Jalen Hurts yeah. looked particularly good the other night. I, I, I mean, I, I know he had the, 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 the fourth down throw, but I mean, I mean, and, and the reality is, I mean, that was just the defense kind of just backed sucks. off. No, oh, we, we're there. big supporters of the Packers defense sucking on this show because we like to keep it real. Um, I'm pragmatic too, Eric. Uh, and, and, but no, but you know, it's funny. I'm not, like, I half joke when I say this, there's two things. One, the more serious point would be, you're right. I would also argue if they're like it's not. I mean, it's, it's lazy defense. It's fourth and eighteen. It's semi and double coverage. There's just no one there. Like right, like and and I think to myself, okay, what happens if that ball gets overthrown? What happens if like there's someone in the actually the right position to make the play, right? Like and they don't score that, and then there's no punt return for a touchdown. The next thing you know, they just lose the game like twenty three three. Like are like are we having this conversation? Are we saying Jalen Hurts play well? He did make a couple good throws, and I can see the spark. I think they had six plays on Sunday that were twelve yards or more, and five of the six came from him. Yeah, sure. So there are some some things to take from it, but but that's kind of my thing too. It's like, like first of all, what kind of what what environment are you throwing into with this, right? And then it, it's kind of reminds me of when the Phillies called Nola up in that lost season with with mm-hmm. Sandberg, and it was a mess, right? Like that culture. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. And then it's like there's so many question marks. And then right, and then you got the what whole wide receiver thing with how they want to you know Jefferson Jefferson like over Jalen. It's it's I don't know what to think with this team. I, 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 like I said, I yeah, think Howie will stay, but I don't know. Yeah, I think them keep I, going. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Zach. No, no, you go, Zach. Yeah, no, go ahead. No, I was, just, no, I was gonna say I think them keep going back to the draft. Oh, we this we wanted this person, and they got taken ten picks later or whatever. I think keep going back in hindsight is, is the wrong thing to do. You have what you have at this point in time, and I think they need to learn how to move forward. And to to talk about that that touchdown, Kieran, that he threw even though it was kind of maybe a, a garbage time type deal that could do a lot for his confidence for general confidence. And 
moving forward. So maybe there's a little something there. We'll, we'll have to see, obviously. Against and the he Saints. had another nice throw to Rager down the sideline um, that kind of fit in that, fit in that window, and that was on uh, third and fourth. So, I mean, I feel like his best plays came on critical moments, third and fourth downs, right, like moving the chains and stuff like that. I, I also, think, though, I, I think that if the, the, the key indicator will be if they get blown out by the Saints – I mean, if that's what happens, and that's what a lot of people are leaning towards, is that probably is what would happen. Although I don't know what Taysom Hill in there. I don't. Who knows? But I mean, um, that'll be a, a big indicator. Now, if he if he starts, if Jalen Hurts starts, and they, I, I guys, honestly, I don't think they're going to win. I, I don't agree with some of the Philly Philly sportscasters who are saying that they're going to win. I don't think they're going to win. But can he keep it? 23-17, like that's what you'd be looking at going, okay, it, it, is his production better than Carson Wentz? Um, I think that's a big deal. And it's um, funny. I, I used an analogy yesterday on the show. Nothing like – you'll like this one, Eric. But um, right, I was joking around saying like if you – like the Eagles right now are just an awful hangover, right? It's just hurts. And I feel like – and everyone's like, well, wait a minute. Do you hear Jalen Hurts? Like, there's a spark here. There's a spark here. I always wonder. I'm like, is it the magic hangover pill that's going to make it go away, or is this more just like saying, like, I'm going to drink like seven or eight Miller Lights today to kind of push the hangover off? It's not really a cure for the hangover, but like, oh, it's it's just kind of numbing you through the end of like the bad experience, and like that's kind of like right, like. like how much do we see with like these next four games, right? And like to that point, like, what if he plays like all right? Like, there's so I mean, obviously, there's a million hypotheticals, but like that's my thing. It's like, is that all this might be? Right, just because it's different. It's almost like a triple A pitcher getting called up and, and looking really good his first year up there because there's no tape on him, right? Like those sure. little things. I, I just with with football, except for you know what you clearly saw was a terrible mistake, but that the, the, the Jets defensive coordinator made. <laughs> and NFL teams don't tank. It, it's not. I don't believe that. I don't think it's like basketball where there's this intention to tank. Not saying that that's, but in the NBA, you it that, that's a, it's a known commodity. The NFL, yeah. I, you know what? Yeah. I, I have a very good friend who was the strength when it was one of the strength coaches for the Detroit Lions when they went zero and sixteen, and and he said he said that even so, they, they they're still fielding this intensity on the field even though they were awful. He said they were awful, and and you know and and on the flip side, he Go was on, with, please. He, he was with he, yeah he was with San Francisco with Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he was there when 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 Harbaugh was in San Francisco, and he, you know, he said that with you know a culture of winning was built there for the for a while. That was very unique. They, you don't tank uh, in no. the NFL. Players don't tank. That I can you tell get you that. Right that the next day, right? It's yeah, not it, like it, basketball. Everything's right? guaranteed, right? And and so with the Eagles right now, I think it's what you guys said. I think there's their identity is skewed. I think they have a myriad of problems. It's Carson. There's so many issues with that team. Their secondary is so banged up and so beat up, and some of the players, they're not that good, you know. And it's it's what you said, Zach. Though you got to go with what you got, you know. So what are you going to do? You know, I mean, that's the whole thing about it. That's what. But isn't that that's what I love about football? You know, is that is that is like, but and yet it still does apply. Any given Sunday, some team could actually skew, skew in and beat somebody. You know, unless they have like you no know, nine hundred COVID cases, which you know is is what's been yeah, happening. Right. You know, yeah. so. Uh, but it's fine. I was gonna say, yeah, I know we're kind of getting close up to the end of the show. Yeah, sure. Do you want to do, you want to do a, some fun story time? Well, I, I I think this is a big one because I, I, I think it. It, it 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 kind of encapsulates where we are right now. So I think that we have a, a culture of fear right now, and there's a big there's a big problem in our country where we're we're afraid of everything. So we tell a story in Train Forest because uh, lions play a very vital role in our culture. And I tell it to the precinct kids as well. So asking you guys, because it's always give and take. It's always back and forth. How, how do lions hunt? In a how pack. do lions hunt? In a pack. Okay. Who does, the, who does most of the hunting? Males or the females? You know why? I don't, I don't know why. I thought it was the females. I, I'm going to it, say it's the males, but I thought it was the females for some be, reason. Be confident. It is the females. Okay, there we go. So, yes. so, yeah, so, so See, I'm not they, living in fear. Exactly. They, they do something very unique that scientists and biologists have studied for a long time. The way that they do this is the, the females form two columns, and they start to push the prey animals from the starting point forward. Now, the male lion, so a, a senior pride male, takes two subordinate males. They go exactly a mile, and they instinctually know this, a mile from where the animals 
are at their choke point. They go up on a hill or a defilade. And the moment those animals are at a mile, the males start to roar. The senior pride male roars first and the other two start to roar after that. Now, what happens is the animals hear that. And it's one of the loudest, most frightening sounds on the African plains. The prey animals turn and they run in the opposite direction. The females spring up and they close the trap shut. Now, as these scientists and biologists were studying this, they found the animals that actually breached the, 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 the phalanx of males survived. They would come within about two or three meters of the males and the males wouldn't go after them and they would survive. So think about this. The, the, what they feared the most when they went into the roar, they survived. When they turned and they ran, they became prey. That's so unbelievable. So, so really think about this. Like a male lion, listen, guys, if a male lion wants to kill something, it will. That is animals eight feet long, weighs almost 900 pounds, can jump 11 feet straight up in the air from a fixed position. So if it wants to kill something, it will. Here's, <laughs> here's what it is. What you fear the most and where we are right now in this whole pandemic what you fear the most, if you run from it, it's going to catch you. If you go into the roar, you're going to find your ability. You're going to find your strength. You're going to find your confidence. But until, until we do that, we're, we're faced with these obstacles all the time. So I always say, when we say you go into the roar, just like we talked about, like for Connor, we're going into the roar for Connor. Yeah, it's scary, but you got to face up to it. Like that's, that's, that should be now more than ever for anybody in your audience. It should be exactly their mantra. Go into the roar with whatever it might be, job, family, friends, whatever it is. Don't be afraid of it. It's going to catch you if you turn and run. That's so, I that's say that such that's, a good, that's like, oh man, I have to powerful. use that. Oh, I know. I'm like, all right, let's go. Come on. Like, like, yeah, (laughs) I'm going to run through a wall. I know. Yeah. yeah, uh, The only thing keeping me back from that is the roar of the security deposit right now for me. But (laughs) but no, uh, it's, (laughs) but yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, Look at me. You know, see, Eric, you got my mind back here. I'm going from, you know, working the corporate. I'm just like, like now, all right, we're back. Let's go. We got the vibes cooking. I love it. Um, but it's that point. So we can talk more. We'll talk more of like yeah. about offline um, sure. about helping out with Connor's foundation. Yeah. So if we drop the link. Um, but no, this is so great. Yeah, we have to have you on again too, by the way. This, is, this has to be a recording thing. Yeah. Guys, I, 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 it'd oh, yeah. be an honor to come back on. You guys are awesome. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? It'd be an honor to have back. you. So. Yeah, best. We just sat <laughs> back sure. and just enjoyed the, the Eric Mitchell yeah. you know, Express. It was incredible. It's like old times. It is like know, old times. Well, I'm not as sweaty and it's like an hour long thing again, but just uh, this time, you know. And I, you know, I still feel pretty good, you know. Dude, it's all perspective now. It's all perspective. There you go. You know, just trying to shed a few LBs. I can make the camera make my face look a little bit, you know, not as bad as... Guys, I mean, at any time you ever want to come to a Training for Warriors class, you are welcome anytime. I would love for you to enjoy it. That'd be fun. Yep. I mean, we do things both indoor and outdoor. So, I mean, I would love for you to experience that culture so you understand what I mean and how, what it means to people to be a part of something greater than they than they, they are themselves yeah that's ultimately what it is because i feel that way i'm a part of something so much greater than just me and that's what and now you're in my familia yeah, yeah there you go there that's go. right love that's it that right there exactly italiano right there. you know familia, there you go there you go awesome real quick <laughs> i'm just gonna pull this up for everyone so if you want to follow us or uh, check out the show you can always do the audio episodes on spotify and itunes uh, you can also check us out on social media it, not that we're, you know, encouraging social media usage here, Eric, but, you know, I, if, I if, think, you know if you guys, do, guys, I think social media is one of the greatest tools you can have if it's it, used for the right purposes. Exactly. No, and what, yeah. what better purpose than maybe checking out Sidetracked? And you can do that by underscore or at underscore get Sidetracked. And then also check out um, our website for all sorts of cool articles and news uh, at www.get-sidetracked.com. And then while we're at it, we're look at the video episodes. If you want to check us out on Twitch, if you're not watching us on there, you can always check out with a follower subscription there. And speaking of subscriptions, you can go to YouTube, 
uh, as well and check out the uh, I was about to say check out the store, but check out the channel. But you can also check out the store on the website with all the you know yeah we got, we got swag now, Eric. It's pretty cool. I love it. I love oh, you it. Got the sidetrack gear, you know. Oh yeah, our marketing <laughs> person Kelly Wyland really really hooked us up with the awesome logos and stuff. So yeah, we'll, we'll have to hook you up with some free gear. That'd be that'd be cool. We'll rock it over I'll, there. I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you Parisi and TFW gear. There we go. Oh, I love it. Now we we'll, got we'll, it. See, now we're becoming official, Zach. We start exchanging gear. Like, That's right. It's like go, one right? step below the jersey swap in the NFL. You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah. But but also be sure to check out uh, Parisi and TFW on Facebook and every yes. social media platform. Yes, as well, absolutely. So. I know we posted those like so. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. This is great. So all right, we'll be back on the air. We're off on Wednesdays. We'll be back on the air teasing a little. Well, actually, by the way, who do you think's going to win tonight? The Dow. I keep forgetting. Is I, I think it's the get right game, as you were saying, Zach, for the Ravens. But what do you think, Eric? The Ravens, big time. Yeah. The Ravens. Yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, yeah, I do. I think. It's, what's up with Dallas? By the way, they're a mess. They're a mess. I thought McCarthy was going to be better over there. Personally. Well, they insult. They insulted people by saying they are truly still America's team. I don't get that. Come on. <laughs> no, they're not. Do you, do you know the story behind that? Why they had when, when they built the first Texas stadium? Why the roof was not closed? Because the owner said, Tex Schramm said he wanted God to watch his team play football. Yeah. Really? <laughs> really? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Oh, geez. All I know is we took two Super Bowls from the Cowboys. There you go. That's, <laughs> That's right. Clearly, they're, they're not watching up in the sky. It's not. It's That's not, right. Yeah. yeah. They're not. That's for sure. No, no, no. This right. ain't angels in the end zone. That's for sure. That's right. That's right. <laughs> awesome. I want to thank everyone for, for checking us out. So we'll be back uh, in the living room this time on Thursday, 7 o'clock Eastern time. But we want to thank everyone for watching. We'll see everyone right here.